What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. In this league, Podcast Network presents Prospect One. The Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. With your host, Chris Welsh. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. I'm your little old host here, the Welsh, a.k.a. Chris Welsh. Can I do it inversely? Can I change it up? Welcome into uh, episode 16 of the uh, Prospect One podcast, where this is kind of a, actually a part two episode to episode 15, where we've been taking a look at the top 100 ranks, and we've been doing it with Jim Callis from MLB.com. The last episode, we did 100 through 51. Today, we're doing 50 through 1. Jim will be joining me here in just a little bit. We're going to go through MLB.com's top 50 and uh, here very very shortly I'm going to point out just like I did in the last episode five guys that I wanted to hone in on from my top 50 and if you're wanting to see that top 50 I'm actually going to be posting that up on Monday over at inthisleague.com and it'll have a link if you want to see the full 350 yes 350 minor league prospects all ranked for the fantasy game up at the ITL army which is a insider group. If you want to support ITL, you want to support what we're doing. We're all independent podcasters making all of this content. You want to support us and get a bunch of perks, which you can go find at patreon.com slash ITL army. One of which is the uh, top 350 prospects ranked for the fantasy game. I have them also ranked out by team, by division, and I've got a setup there that will be there here in just a day or two of all of the 2016 drafted guys plus the international guys tiered out about 80 plus from there. So if you got some of those uh, you know, dynasty drafts coming up with a first year player draft, you can check out that list and you can go check out the dual episodes I did with James Anderson from Rotowire that can get you all hooked up. So on Monday, you'll see the top 50 prospects from uh, the prospect one list and it'll link out where you can see the rest. But I'm going to hone in on a few in this episode. And uh, really, I mean, we're going we're gonna to throw tons and tons of information of the top 50 prospects at you, be it me or be it Jim Callis, of course. Other little quick future things for you to be checking out. We are going to be doing a 10-round, 12-man Dynasty mock draft here shortly. So if you've got an upcoming uh, you know Dynasty League that you're starting fresh and all of the prospects are available, I'm going to be doing an episode where we're going to be breaking down this full mock. It'll also be posted at InThisLeague.com, so you can check that out. That's going to be a very valuable episode as well. We're going to do a sleeper prospect episode and uh, continue with the mailbag. So if you have questions, if you have prospect questions, you can obviously, if you're part of the Army, you can hit me up in our baseball room or you could join the fantasy chats that we do once a month. But you can hit me up on Twitter, at is it the Welsh, shoot me those questions and I can try to get them in the episodes because we're going to be doing a little bit of a uh, Prospect One mailbag here for a second that have to do with the top 50. But you can reach out to me if you need that help. You can reach out to me with the ITL Army. We appreciate the support. And I'm just pre-warning you, you're about to get inundated with lots of baseball information, not only from like everywhere, because everything is baseball right now. How excited, how excitable is everybody? But you're also going to get a lot of coverage from In This League, not just the Fantasy Baseball Podcast, which if you haven't listened yet, go check it out. We just did a mock draft episode. It's a 15-man roto. But spring training out here in Arizona, it is freaking here. 
And it's so funny because, you know, people come and play here because of the beautiful weather. And uh, like the Diamondbacks had a fan fest set for Saturday, February 18th, and it got rained out because we're going to have rain all weekend. So hopefully it's not going to affect the first week, but it's like February 24th. The games are happening. So I plan to go hit some practices early in the morning. I'll be hitting games as well. I'm taking a full week off in March where I'm going to be hitting a game every single day. So we're going to try to have some live periscopes. We're going to have lots of pictures, any analysis we get. We get lucky to catch any player, anything, anything like that. So you want to make sure that you're following us at InThisLeague.com as well on my Twitter at is it the Welsh? We got a lot of fantasy talk here for the prospect games. It's all top 50. So let's start it off with the prospect one mailbag. All right. First question up uh, from Twitter at AA Galaxy. I want to say AA Ron. AA Galaxy says, hey, Welsh, can you pick two for a dynasty points league? So here are the names. He had a couple he had a couple non-prospect names that I took out of this list, but the, the, the guys that are loaded in here are all top 50 prospects. So this is great. Nick Senzel, Cody Bellinger, Eloy Jimenez, Victor Robles, Kyle Tucker, and Kyle Lewis. Six guys, and you got to pick two in a Dynasty Points League. My first question, actually, I would have responded back was, oh, why do I got to pick two? Why you got to do me like this? I don't want to pick two. These are really good names. I mean, I'm looking at this. These are top 25. These guys are all inside my top 25 here. But one of the things that makes this a little bit different, and you, you got to hone in on what he said, was a dynasty points league. Points league can change the game up a bit. I mean, guys that have bad averages, well, you're not getting killed by their average. Maybe you've got negative for strikeouts. So if you got like a negative one on strikeouts, eh, you know, that could, I don't know, that could maybe not make a guy like Chris Davis as valuable. But I mean, I'm still going to bump guys up that strike out a lot that have major home or power, but their average is low in a points league. So Chris Carter, Chris Davis, who I'm not super high on this year, I would definitely bump him up in a uh, in a points league. So getting to the prospects, though, what this kind of does for me is I'm going to play a little bit of an elimination game here because I am going to think power in a points league. So I'm going to eliminate Victor Robles. And this is like a top 10 guy. And I know a lot of people, oh my God, Victor Robles could be the number one overall player. But You know, his game isn't like world changing speed. His game isn't world changing power. He's just, he's a five tool player. You know, he could be a 2020 guy, but he's still a ways away. I'm going to eliminate Robles from this. I'm also going to eliminate Kyle Tucker from this, kind of for the same reasons. There's not much speed to his game, there's some power, but he's not one of the top two best power hitting prospects on this list. I'm going to eliminate Kyle Lewis as well because he doesn't qualify into what I just said. So we're down to three guys. Bellinger, Sinzel, and Eloy Jimenez. Sinzel and Bellinger might be as close to one another as far as coming up to the majors right now. Eloy Jimenez is far off, but he might be the biggest power prospect out of this list. And there's some argument, and believe me, we're going to talk about Bellinger and Eloy in this episode with Jim Callis. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to eliminate Sinzel, and it's going to be Bellinger and Eloy. Simply put, these two guys are the biggest power prospects on this list. I wouldn't kill anybody for taking Robles on this. Wouldn't kill anybody for taking Sinzel. I think those are the actual main four because Robles has the he has the name value and the hype to it. Cody Bellinger, he he can play over the field. He's got huge power. There is a swing and miss to his game, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it in a points league unless there's major major negatives for strikeouts. He might steal you a couple too. Eloy Jimenez, though he is further away from uh, Sinzel, he's already a top ten guy. You know, Senzel isn't quite there yet. 
Eloy is already a top 10 guy with massive, massive power. You might be looking at a 35-plus homer guy. So it was kind of easy for me, actually, but I just wanted to walk you through the process of elimination. So if I'm picking two for Dynasty Points League, it's going to be Bellinger and Eloy. Now, if this were a standard head-to-head or a roto, I don't know. might change. I mean, I might go, uh, if I was playing for the long haul, I might go I might go Eloy and Robles. If uh, I want the mixture, I could see Bellinger. I might, I probably still go e, uh, Bellinger and Eloy, but Robles might sneak into there because Robles could be, you know, like a, a really good, valuable asset to your fantasy team in the future that you can build around. You know, these guys that are you know, hitting 300, walk into 15 to 20 homers, could steal 20 plus bases. I mean, you know, five tools, stuff and things, guys, we would call them. Question number two from Mikey Mack. This was on the Patreon wall. He says, are you taking a high school hitter over a high school pitcher? And the easy answer is yes, every time. I, I would even double down to say that I'm taking a hitter over any type of pitcher. For the most part. I mean, I think I've laid this out in this in the last episode. Starting pitching from the elite class is few and far between, which, you know, by position scarcity might actually might actually tell you you want to take one of those pitchers. You actually might want to have a one of those ace pitchers if you can get them in the top fifty. But I think I had said I got like twelve pitchers in my top fifty, but they're very, very valuable. But if I'm truly sitting there and having the choice between, let's say, uh, Blake Rutherford and Jason Groom, well, I got Rutherford ahead because I'm going to value that. And I Blake Rutherford, um, I'm turning on. I think I said in a previous episode, like he, and I agree, I agree with James Anderson now where it was the core five and Rutherford was the one that was right on the outs, but he was close. After doing more research and more uh, video watching, Rutherford is in there. And I, I think there's an argument like what Craig had done in our mock draft where he took Rutherford over Corey Ray. And I see it. I definitely see it a lot more now. So the the easy blanket answer is yes, but that's not everything because if you start changing the names up, well, that's going to change the whole game up. Now, if you're talking about, you know, uh, if you're talking about a high school hitter like um, Josh Lowe, or I mean, if you want to go a little bit higher, Alex Kirilov, I'm not going to take Kirilov probably over Groom because Groom is like the top pitcher out of this draft class. So if I can get the top pitcher and I'm down there in, you know, the four, five, six, seven type of a high school hitter that's available, I'm going to go Groom over him. So it's not, I don't think it's fair to say that it's a blanket answer. But if the two guys are close, I'm probably going to lean on the hitter side. And that's just a blanket fantasy answer. Uh, Chris Johansson, also on the Patreon wall, asks, Out of the current top 100, who do you see taking the biggest leap in rankings after the season over and the biggest faller? This is kind of like, I can take a different approach to this, though. I was going to say, this is kind of like the question that we got yesterday with, you know, who's the most underrated and who's the most overrated? It it, it kind of could qualify as that. But, you know, I think if you really listen and think about the question, you could understand really where he's going here of the guy that could drop the most in the rankings and the guy that could rise the most in the rankings. Now, I got to be careful about this because you've got guys that are going to graduate. So they're just inherently going to fall off like a guy that's going to graduate. But if he didn't, that I think could fall off the rankings is I think a guy like Franklin Barreto could fall off the rankings a bit because people are really down on him and the bat has to play. He's already probably probably going to move positions and he's a little bit blocked. And I mean, he's a he's a pure offensive middle infielder and the year wasn't great. You know, he didn't have a great Arizona Fall League, so he's got a lot of work to do, 
and I just feel like people are getting more down on him. I mean, he was like a top 20, 30 guy last year, and MLB.com this year put him down to 50. So if you think of it from that, I think a guy like Barreto, who you wouldn't expect, could be kind of like a big faller. And I also have to figure out, what are you asking me? Are you talking my ranks? Are you talking MLB.com's ranks? You know, where exactly is it coming from? I'll give you one more that actually could be mine and MLB.com's is a guy like Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer has all the tools, but the the average is the big concern right now. And I, I mean, I saw him in person and he's a big dude and he's got speed. He's got all the tools to be successful, except he's just there's a lot of swing and miss to his game that I'm not sure he... I just don't know. I don't know if he could overcome. So I'm just throwing a couple names out there that could definitely fall down the list. So as far as guys that are going to jump up the list, I got a couple for you. And I think I think this will be for mine and for MLB.com. So there's some synergy to this one. And I want to say Kevin Maiton. I'm going to say Vlad Guerrero Jr. I think I, I kinda, I'm going to allude into this episode you're going to hear. I think Vlad Guerrero next season is probably going to be top five. This is it's just me speaking out here. You saw Cody and Eloy jump into the top 10. I think you're going to have uh, some graduations this season. I mean, from the top 10 alone, you're going to probably have guys like Crawford, Meadows, Bellinger, Dansby Swanson, Moncada all potentially leave. And Vlad isn't that far off that I think, I think Vlad jumps into, I mean, maybe five is aggressive, but top eight. And I think that's for both. I think that's for mine for sure. I mean, if he shows what he did last year, that is happening. MLB.com, I think so, too. They, he, they have a lot of supporters there. Uh, maybe a little bit further down, if you want to take a look, a guy like uh, Leody Tavares in, in Texas. I mean, there's so, and I do it all the time. I'm aware that I do it, but all the time, the, the, the no-power five-tool guy comp is, is Victor Robles. The one guy that really could go down that same path, I think, is Leody Tavares. So if he continues what he did last season, He's definitely going to jump up. Might be top ten. He could easily be. He could sit in Victor Robles' shoes, and Victor Robles could be, you know, top five next season as long as there's no regression. So those are a couple guys in there. But I also have one other player that kind of fits that role, and it's a perfect transition where I want to highlight five of my guys in the top fifty for you. Prospect one. Said player comes in at number fifty. And he's a perfect example of one of these players that could make a uh, pretty massive turnaround this season. He is Ronald Acuna, who I it did not make the top 100 for MLB.com. Shows up on plenty of lists all over the board. He, he's in all different places, depending on what type of site you're looking at. But Ronald Acuna, the 19-year-old, plays for the Atlanta Braves. Last year played in single A. He played in, I think, one of the Dominican leagues. I think it was like MVP. He made the All-Star game, I know, for one of the Dominican leagues. Last year, I've talked about him. Hit 312, four homers, 14 stolen bases. He's impressive. I've watched some video on him. I like the batting stance. It's there's there's the, he explodes on the ball. It's not a big swing. I think he I think he continue continuously keeps contact. He walk his walk to strikeout is pretty impressive. I mean, 19 walks to 29 strikeouts in 150 at bats. So I mean, I put his on base percentage just under 400, and he's continuously improving. He's 19 years old. He could be up. Uh, I mean, he could be, he could be a September call up next season. Type of player, so I think Ronald Acuna. I am. I think Ronald Acuna is one of those players that could make a massive jump this season if he continues what he did last year. And just kind of like the question from before, he could easily be a top fifteen player next year. You want to be aggressive? He could be a top ten. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he plays bigger. Six foot, one eighty. Very, very aggressive on him. And it's kind of like the conversation I've had before, where you got to find your mixture. You got to find your happy place. 
between lottery tickets, floor guys, as well as close to the majors and far away. You've got to find where you fit in it. Me personally, I fit in in the early rounds, maybe my top four or five picks willing to take two risks on high, high upside guys. The Atlanta Braves, ironically, just have a lot of those players this year. That's how good their system is. A guy like Kevin Maiton fits that role and Ronald Acuna fits that role. So he comes in at number 50. The guy that shows up as number 37 in a row on MLB.com's list shows up at number 30 on mine, and I'm continuously moving him up, and I've already talked about him just a tad bit. It's a 2016 first-round draft pick for the New York Yankees, Blake Rutherford. 30 overall is pretty aggressive, but he's the type of player that's worth being aggressive on. 351 average across two levels last year, only 114 uh, at-bats. It's not earth-shattering, but he had three homers. He's a he's a big dude, 6'3", 195. Watching him in high school, watching some high school video on him, and watching uh, some of the rookie ball videos that are online there for the New York Yankees, I mean, you can't look at him and just not be impressed. He looks like a star. He looks like he can hit 30 homers in the major leagues, and he had a great first showing. Now, he's got to, it's got to translate and I would actually be willing to say that a, taking a guy like Blake Rutherford over Corey, Corey Ray might be even riskier than taking a guy like a, a Kevin Maiton. I mean, we see this a lot where, the, where these high school guys come in and maybe they have the first good run and then they could really fall off and it's going to kind of stunt his move up in the system. This definitely might not be the case, and I don't see it from Blake Rutherford. I'm just saying that like Kevin Maiton has such a name, and I'm talking fantasy here for a moment, that he has such a name. He's so young. He's going to play at the lower levels to succeed that taking a guy like a Kevin Maiton over a Blake Rutherford, you have the ability to to still move Kevin Maiton. If, if his name holds, people are going to go bonkers about him for a long time. So there's a lot of value that is still going to be attached where Blake Rutherford, unless it's Yankee fans, if he struggles, he's going to kind of dwindle down a little bit. I'm not saying that's going to happen. And I will, and I'm obviously aggressive on Blake Rutherford. Just kind of pre-warning you here, but it falls along the same lines of what I just said with Ronald, Ronald Acuna. Blake Rutherford coming in at number 30. In keeping with kind of tradition of what I just talked about, the other player that warrants conversation, I didn't give you his rank when I talked about him potentially being a top five next season, but I will now. Comes in at number 26 on my list, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. MLB.com's has him at 34, and I don't want to give anything away of what, because we we discussed Vlad Jr. with uh, Jim Callis here, what he's going to say. Uh, positionally, there's some ways that they can move it. He's still only 17 years old, and there's some great comps that Jim gives here. But last season hit 271, eight homers, 15 stolen bases with uh, two less walks and strikeouts. Vlad Jr., if you can get in now, this is a player that you get in now. I mean, I just said he could be top five next year, and I don't I don't think it's uh, ridiculous to say that. So uh, Vlad Jr. at 26, he's still kind of moving up the list. And I'm going to be, I'll be honest with you here, I got a hard time and I have moved these guys w- over each other uh, multiple times. Vlad and Maiton, I kind of go back and forth. They're right next to each other in ranks. Uh, they, they, they're both about the same age. You know, they're, they're, they're the same trajectory of excitement that's going there. Just I think more people are talking about Maiton this season where Vlad Jr. slips, get him. If you can trade for him, Get him. Love it. Two more here. Coming in at number 19 overall, he got probably the most run on this podcast in all of my Arizona Fall League episodes that I did. Bursts on the scene. He's got the most exciting fastball in all the land. 
He is Michael Kopech, who was traded from the Boston Red Sox to the Chicago White Sox, consistently hitting 100, as Eric called him, an Adonis. A super nice guy. I got to chat with him for a bit. Watched him. There's an episode, if you go back and look, that I did uh, showing some shots that I took of the Arizona Fall League where it was actually the breakdown episode of the Arizona Fall League where Michael Kopech was out scouting. He's just an impressive guy, man. He's got multiple pitches. He's a future superstar. He's, I'm not sure... If you know if there's three players that are being talked talked about the most over this offseason, Michael Kopech is in that list. I mean, Cody Bellinger is probably in that list too, and maybe it's Eloy. Michael Kopech is an ace. He's one of the few pitchers you can be aggressive on, and I'm very aggressive on him. I have him at 19 overall. But MLB.com is as aggressive in the uh, you know in the non fantasy world. They have him at 16 overall. So. You know, if you want to get down the Kopech game, you're probably going to have to use a second round pick in a dynasty to get him. He's a real deal. I don't think this is ever going to be a bullpen guy. Let's not get bonkers with thinking you're getting Noah Syndergaard in him because that's going to, you know, that might disappoint you at times. But he he's he's overcome adversity in, off the baseball field. He's overcome it on it. I mean, in Arizona Fall League, he had this really interesting game that actually Jim references where he had the six walks, but he still didn't give up a run. I mean, he is an impressive, impressive starting pitcher and one of those few guys that, I mean, I have him over uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. That says a lot. That says a whole lot. But the last guy that I want to talk about, my number eight overall prospect, as far as I've been doing ranks, I know I've always been more aggressive than pretty much any other single human on this player, but I am a firm, firm believer. He comes in at number 17 on MLB.com's list, but number eight on mine, the Boston Red Sox own Rafael Devers. I've really talked a lot about this. Surprisingly, had 18 stolen bases last year, but hit 282 with 11 homers, almost a two to one strikeout to walk ratio, which is better than the three to one we usually see. What he overcame in the first part of the season last year is all but more cemented how I feel about him. He was he had an atrocious start to the season, you know, hitting in the under 200s and he brought it all the way back up to 282, huge power. I mean, he's not actually overly like as a big guy, you know, in your mind you might even see like a David Ortiz, he's only 6 foot 195. He's definitely weighs more than that and he's going to probably way more than that when he gets into the majors. Potentially a DH, potentially a first baseman. Who knows? Maybe they keep him at third. They did trade uh, Yoan Moncada. So, I mean, there have been rumors that he could come up this season. Boston, the team has talked about that. In that move to, of Moncada, I would think part, you know, in, in partial, it's because of what they believe in Devers. So maybe he plays a couple seasons at third, but he's a lefty hitting in Boston, lots of power and going to be in a great lineup for years playing with players like Mookie Betts, maybe Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benintendi. Rafael Devers is hitting in the middle. I don't see from the fantasy perspective why people wouldn't get more excited about him. And I, again, I, I take some liberties in how I feel, but I have him above a guy like Victor Robles, who a lot of people would probably disagree with me on. I have him ahead of guys like Brendan Rodgers. You know, I mean, I am as aggressive as anybody on Rafael Devers. I'm a firm believer and I plant my flag by putting him at number eight. So if you're if you're all jacked up about uh, you know the prospect rank talk, I'm only going to fuel it here with Jim Callis. But if you want to see more of my list, you can check the link on the article page of this episode, episode 16 on idthisleague.com, and it'll take you. And there's a link that'll take you to uh, the Patreon site, which uh, you know you can check out the perks if you want to get on it, and you can get that top 350. It's now 350. We're shooting for 400 pretty soon in the year, and then when the draft class happens, we can get to 500 at the end of the year. This will be sexy but wait no further my friends it's 50 to 1 with mlb.com's jim Callis. prospect one 
top 50 here. Nick Gordon at 50. Yadier Alvarez, Mitch Keller, Jorge Mateo, Reynaldo Lopez, Aaron Judge, Jeff Hoffman, Braxton Garrett, Hunter Renfro, and Jason Groom. I want to talk about Yadier Alvarez. We just kind of talked about, you know, Riley Pint being one of the guys that has, uh, you know, maybe potential best stuff in this entire top 100. Well, I think Yadier Alvarez might be one of the guys that has the most upside of any pitcher inside the top 50. Talk to me about Yadier Alvarez, and I'd almost be, I'd almost be curious at, you know, how would you compare a Yadier Alvarez to an Anderson Espinosa? Are they going the same routes as far as um, the love and the rank is going? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about guys with the best stuff on this list, Yadier Alvarez would be in that discussion too. And I'll bet if you brought him up with Eric Longenhagen. Oh. Eric I did. was very effusive in his praise for Yadier uh, Alvarez. I think Eric even has him ahead of Cody Bellinger in the Dodgers system. That's so um, funny that you said that because that, that's a lot of where it sparked. And he gave Yadier Alvarez, you know, one of his uh, four, I think, ace comps in all of minor league baseball, four or five, was to Alvarez. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who sits in the mid-90s, holds the velocity, he can hit 100. You know, he, he can show you all plus secondary stuff. The slider is probably the best pitch, the secondary pitch right now. It can be a wipeout pitch at times. His curveball flashes plus, change of flashes plus. Well, really intrigues me about this guy is, is when he signed everybody knew he had this great arm it's like so athletic and the arm's so quick but you know there, there wasn't much track record to look at when he was in cuba but like when he was in their 18 and under league not even their top league he walked 35 guys in 31 innings before he defected and so it was like man this guy is really wild he, he's it's gonna take a long time and you know he was you know, he walked 10 guys in 20 innings in, in the arizona league to start last year and then in low class a when he made the jump he only walked 11 guys in 39 and third innings and his numbers are, are ridiculous <laughs> 59 in the third innings 81 strikeouts uh, and and i think this you know he's 6-3 he's gonna get stronger i mean he's only you know, 20 years old, he'll be 21, I guess, during the spring. But yeah, I mean, this guy, we could have this conversation a year from now, and this guy could be the best pitching prospect in baseball. You know, again, you, you know, you, we need to see him a little, you know, he still needs to polish it up. You know, he, he's still a ways away from the big leagues, but the upside is very, very exciting. And that's and that's one of the things we're definitely looking for. Because one of the things I would point out, too, that I didn't get to mention when we kind of started off is, you know, with the uh, fantasy players out there that do minor leagues, there's obviously the people that are really, really delved hardcore into it. And they might be looking for, they might be looking for minor league ranks like what I do um, or, you know, Rotowire for the fantasy perspective. But I would say that MLB.com is got to be the number one source. I know Baseball America is there, but I mean, throughout the years before I ever did anything, I have always made a home of MLB.com to see where their top 100 is. I think the top 30 list that you guys do is invaluable. And one of the key things that you want to know, if it be at the layman or the hardcore fantasy guy, to see a player like Yadier Alvarez, who we need to see more of, be so aggressively ranked is the best thing that we could see because we're trying to buy potential. It's like stocks with minor leagues and fantasy. You're just trying to hit on the stars and Yadier Alvarez could be a guy that I mean, would you be would you be shocked if next year Yadier Alvarez was ranked higher than Anderson Espinosa? No, and I forgot that part of your question, and, and thanks for the kind words. And I will say, the one thing I've always prided myself on when I was at Baseball America and I'm with MLB.com, and, and the people I worked with both played the same way, we don't do rankings for shock value. We don't run a guy way up just so we can say, hey, we were the highest on him, or we were the first to, to go nuts on him. We rank these guys where they think they should go. I think the, the, the difference between him and Anderson Espinosa is, well, there's a couple. I mean, he's got you know more of a traditional frame. Anderson Espinosa is not a big guy. He's He's about six feet, and, and Alvarez is about six foot three. I think there, there's more power to Alvarez, although Espinosa is impressive too, and Espinosa has hit 100. I think Espinosa's got more polish, even though he, I don't even say he regressed. I mean, he, his, his walk numbers weren't, I mean, they were finalists. I mean, the thing we forget about Anderson Espinosa is, is he's 18 years old. He'll be 19 this spring. So he's like two years younger than, than, than Yadier Alvarez, and he already has pitched a full season in low class A. <laughs> so I, I think when I look at those guys, I think Yadier Alvarez's stuff, 
is maybe a little bit more explosive and, and the body's a little bit better, but Espinosa is a little bit more polished. So, I mean, if Eonor Alvarez ranks ahead of him, that wouldn't shock me, but I don't think they'd be... I, I bet Espinosa's right there with him. I mean, those might be your top two pitchers on the top 100 a year from now. I, I think that might actually be the case. The last one in this little bracket is Aaron Judge. The Yankees still seem to believe in him like what happens uh, very commonly for all of us when you get um, you know, when you get a guy in the ranks and he comes up to the major, struggles a little bit, people start to fall off. People fall off Josh Bell, people fall off A.J. Reed, and people fall falling off uh, Aaron Judge, but the Yankees have not yet. Where do you sit on Aaron Judge? Do you think he's a top 50 player? I mean, you know, he's in the top 50, but do you think he's a, a true and, and true and hold type of top 50 player? I mean, and would you take like a, a Tavares over him or maybe even his uh, league mate, uh, Jorge Mateo, moving forward? No, I wouldn't take Mateo over him. I mean, you could argue Tavares. I mean, I, but I think you're right. I mean, it's really easy to sour in these guys when they get to the big leagues and struggle, but like he's gotten to the big leagues. Tavares hasn't even played in full season ball yet. Yet. So it's really, it's like, I think sometimes you have to, to be a little careful about not going too crazy over guys who haven't had a chance to fail, if that makes sense. Because yep. they look better. You know, they, these guys just start out, they barely played. It, it, it's real easy to say, uh, okay, like, you know, boy, you know, but, you know, Judge, you know, struck out, what, 42 times in about 93 plate appearances in, in the big leagues last year. So I'm off Aaron Judge. Well, okay, but are you going to jump all over all the guys who are in, in rookie ball? Yeah, I don't know how fair that is either. I'm actually looking at my list because I may have ranked trying to see where I had Aaron Judge versus yeah you know, I, I did have Aaron Judge ahead of Tavares on my own personal list I had him pretty close but yeah you know, I, I still this guy's gonna hit for power you know, how much average is he gonna hit for you know I, I don't think he's gonna be told that you know, what's interesting is if, if this guy when he's when Judge was in the lower minors and was in the fall league he was more of an approach over power guy he more kind of used uh, gap to gap and controlled the strike zone and hit the ball hard but didn't worry about power and I think once he got kind of to Triple A that approach changed he got close to the big leagues he knew that the power was what's gonna carry him I think this guy guy's still he might strike out a bunch he's still gonna walk a healthy amount i think he's gonna hit for a decent average and that ballpark i mean i'd be shocked if he isn't a 25 30 home run guy on an annual basis i like it all right uh 40 to 31 you have francisco mejia carson kelly josh Hader, blake rutherford tyler o'neill kyle tucker Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jose De Leon, Kevin Maiton, and Brent Honeywell. I can't remember if it was, I, I think it was Jonathan Mayo on your guys' broadcast where he had said, uh, it could have been you, but I think it was Jonathan Mayo that said, they feel that Vladimir Guerrero could be a top 10 player next year and felt pretty safe about him being a top 10 player next year. What do you think about that? He really seems to be stepping into his own. I mean, he's in very a very, very big shadow, but he seems to be holding his own. And he seems to be somebody that is garnering a lot of excitement to even move up into this top 35 range moving into this year. Yeah, no, um, I think that was actually me. Who said oh, OK, that. good. Um, See, I, I had it in my head. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm all, I'm all over him. I mean, he was only 17 last year. He was an advanced rookie league. He had a great debut. He almost walked as much as he struck out, which is not what you necessarily think about with Guerrero. I mean, he, he's like his dad, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as his dad, but he's got the same offensive ceiling his dad had. I mean, this mm. guy... Bat speed, strength, hand-eye coordination, plate discipline, approach. He uses the whole field. He's so advanced. He's so good as a young hitter. I actually think I like like you look at where he is on the list. To Kevin Maiton's thirty-two. I actually like Guerrero more than Maiton, although that's because Guerrero's got a little bit more of a track record. Maiton's got you know Maiton's going to stay in the infield. Guerrero's probably going to have to be a first baseman or a left fielder. But I just think the bat is, is going to be unbelievable. I love I, Vladimir Guerrero was my favorite player of all time growing up. Uh, I have actually on my fantasy ranks. I have uh, Vladimir Guerrero at. 31, so I'm in that aggressive range. Speaking of which, you went right to the player that
that I wanted to talk about, and that is Kevin Maiton. You know, when we're talking about comps, he gets those Miguel Cabrera comps that he might move to third and whatnot, but he seems to be one of the bigger unknowns. But he has also garnered the most aggression from all rankers. I mean, if you don't have uh, Kevin Maiton in your top 100, people are going to kind of look look a second like, oh, you know, this guy seems to have all of the ceiling out there. So do you think this round actually has three or four of next year's top 10, like Maiton, Kyle Tucker, Vlad Jr., and Rutherford? Do you think those are potentially a top 10 next year? Yeah, they all, they all could be. They all have that kind of upside. I mean, you know, Maiton, I can't remember the last time, like, I was part of a top 100 that ranked a guy internationally, like 60, who'd signed at 16, had yet to make his pro debut. Although, in retrospect, I guess, going back a year ago, I wish we had ranked Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But, mm. you know, I think Maiton... He's got similar offensive potential to Guerrero, although we haven't seen him in Pro Bowl like we've seen Guerrero. Where he has the advantage, I think, is Maiton's not going to be a shortstop with Dansby Swanson in Atlanta and Ozzie Albies, you know, who will probably want to push him over second. But I think Maiton winds up at third base, and you know, he's, yeah, I think he can play there where he's a better athlete, quicker. I think Guerrero is the guy who has to go to the outfield. But it'll be kind of interesting, I think, to kind of watch those two guys coming up. And yeah, it might be similar to when I remember back when I was at Baseball America about 20 years ago with Vladimir Guerrero Sr. When Vladimir Guerrero and, and Andrew Jones were kind of coming through the minors together. Uh, you know, you had the Canadian team and the Braves and their guys were kind of coming through the minors. Like they really seemed like they were in the same league a lot. And they got compared to a lot each other a lot. And I wonder. I don't know if they wind up the same leagues because they were sunny year apart. But if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Maiton are going to kind of be compared to each other over the next few years. Those are great comps. All right. Well, let's move into this next round here where we've got thirty: Corey Ray, Kyle Lewis. Ian Happ, Josh Bell, Nick Senzel, Anderson Espinosa, Clint Frazier, Manny Margot, Bradley Zimmer, and Willie Adamas. I actually wanted to pair the two college uh, outfielders who... Uh drafted right next to each other. You have a ranked right next to each other. Kyle Lewis at 29, Corey Ray at 30. I believe, again, I'll probably be wrong about this. This will probably be Jonathan Mayo because I believe you said this. Was it you that said that if you were doing that draft, you would have taken Kyle Lewis with the first pick? Yeah, that was me. Okay, I did good. say that. See, I got, I got that right, actually. It's <laughs> amazing. So when you're looking at these two guys, because I really like Kyle Lewis, you know, sucks with that injury. Do you think these two guys... It sky's the limit with these two outfielders because these seem like prototypical five-tool athletic outfielders that, you know, barring injury issues that they're both having, they're going to be in the majors pretty soon. I, I feel like it sky's the limit. Yeah, I think these guys, I mean, obviously we rank them high, so we think they could both be stars. I mean, if you're kind of comparing and contrasting them, besides the fact that Corey Ray hits left-handed and Kyle Lewis hits right-handed, I think uh, Kyle Lewis has got more power uh, than Corey Ray, you know, a little bit more power than Corey Ray. I think Corey Ray is a little bit more athletic. You know, maybe I don't know if either of them is going to be a long-term center fielder, but Corey Ray has got a, uh, yeah, I think a better chance to stay in, in center than Kyle Lewis. Um, if they move to the corner, I think Kyle Lewis plays right. I think Corey Ray maybe winds up more in left. But yeah, I really like both these guys a lot. And it's funny. I mean, we don't sit out, set out to like say, hey, let's rank these two guys who are compared to each other all spring next to each other in the top 100. But that's just kind of the way it turned out. If I had to like, um, if I had to pair these, so I'm going to pair a guy that's higher than both of them in Clint Frazier and then a guy that's lower than than them and let's say Kyle Tucker. If you had to take Clint Frazier and Kyle Tucker or Kyle Lewis and Corey Ray, which pairing would you want? Hmm. I might take the two high school guys. Um, yeah, I think Clint Frazier, you know, has got more power than Kyle Lewis. 
I think he's yeah. I, I, well, or at least it's comparable power to Kyle Lewis, and he's a little bit better athlete. I don't think he's going to wind up at center. But he's got a better chance to Kyle Lewis. So I would take I, I would take Clint Frazier of Kyle Lewis, and I do think Kyle Tucker. A year from now, we might have him atop this group because Kyle Tucker's probably the best hitter of this group, yeah. and the power is pretty good. So yeah, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that a year from now we think Kyle Tucker's the best of these guys. So I, I would take the two high school guys. Yeah, and actually, ironically, in in my personal ranks, I've got Kyle Tucker ahead of uh, Corey Ray and Kyle Lewis. I've got Tucker and. Frazier above that, so that's interesting to hear. Uh, Nick Senzel in this draft. He's the second prospect on this list from the 2016 draft class. Do you think he's a floor guy? And now what I mean by this is that his floor is so high, but the ceiling might be low that he's just a good bet but the upside is limited. I mean, because a lot of people are no, talking. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I've heard some of that, but you know, I think people say about Mickey Moniak, who, who we ranked ahead of Nick Senzel, and Mickey Moniak uh, went ahead of him number, with the number one pick in the draft. But I, I don't think that's fair at all because, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down on the question, Chris, because other people have kind of made that same point. This guy is one of the best pure hitters. He's probably the best pure, definitely the best pure college hitter in the draft last year. One of the best pure hitters in the minor leagues. I think he's one, another one of these guys who the hit came first. He's already starting to flash, you know, pretty solid power. I think in Cincinnati, he's going to be a, a, a 15 to 20 home run guy. And he's more athletic than people might give him credit for. I mean, he he's a solid runner. I think he's going to be a solid third baseman. So he's going to give you value of being an above average defender as as an infielder. So I think the ceiling's pretty high in this guy too. I mean, if this guy comes out and hits 300 with, with, with let's say, 15, 18, 20 homers a year and plays a, a solid above average third base, that's an all-star. So I, I think, I, I do agree that his floor is one of the highest floors because I don't think anybody doubts he's going to hit. I, I think that the floor in the bat might be like 280, 12 to 15 homers and, and giving you at least average defense at third. And that's still probably going to be a, a pretty decent regular third base. But his ceiling's pretty good too. And I am I am incredibly aggressive on him. So I'm glad that you say that. I have Sinzel over Mickey Moniak. I have Sinzel at 14 overall from the fantasy perspective. I see, I love can see him. that. He's going to get there a lot quicker because he's a college guy versus high school guy. And I've always felt, I don't know how you feel, I don't play a lot of fantasy baseball anymore because I, I spend enough time on baseball. Yeah, where do you have the time? Is. Exactly. But. But I was going to say, with prospects, I would always rather have guys who are going to help me sooner because you can always get the next wave of prospects to add to your farm system rather than, you know, I mean, like I like Mickey Moniak, but from a fantasy standpoint, do I want to wait, you know, three years for him? And Mickey might be, but Mickey might be the wrong guy to use as example because he could probably move pretty quick because he's a, I mean, he, he's very advanced for high school guy. But like, I'd, I'd much rather have the guy who's going to get there now rather than the guy who's going to get there two years from now. Yeah, and it's always like a mixture. That's a, I'm very big on the mixture of it. So you know, a guy like uh, Sinzel, I don't even, I don't think about the floor because I think when a lot of people think like this, this is my assumption because I don't believe that. I don't believe he's all floor and no ceiling. But what I, what I feel like the, in their brains is they're saying. Well, Sinzel is more Kyle Seeger than he is Chris Bryant. And I'm not saying he's Chris Bryant by any means. Yeah, that, you yeah, can't that's do fair. that. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I don't know how many Chris Bryants there really are. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, but the Kyle Seeger kind of feels like, and from the fantasy and real life, he's always just kind of, he's a steady Eddie. And a lot of people feel yeah. like Sinzel's going to be a steady Eddie. But I think he's a guy that is not getting enough credit. I mean, that's why I have him over Moniak. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. And, you know, he's got positional value being a third baseman versus an outfielder, too. Exactly. Well, uh, jumping into the 20 to 11, we have uh, Francis Martez, Mickey Moniak, Lewis Brinson, Rafael Devers, Michael Kopech, Brendan Rodgers, Eloy Jimenez, Cody Bellinger, 
Lucas Giolito, and Ozzy Albies. So with Mickey Moniak, we kind of just talked about number one prospect from the 2016 class. Every person I have talked to has been different on him from the highest ceiling of anybody, you know, in the top 100 people have talked about to I've even heard some industry people that have said it to my face that he could be the next Grady Sizemore. What what do you believe? What do you think we're going to see out of uh, out of Mickey Moniak? I don't think he's got the highest ceiling on the top 100. I I would have a hard time making that claim because while I think he's going to hit for more power, than, you know, I think he's going to be like a 15 home run guy. I just don't think he's got the power to where you're going to say he has the highest ceiling. I mean, he, he could want to be in the best hitter on this board. Yeah, yeah, you, you, he's very comparable to but with less power, which is why then I would say, I don't know how you could say he's a higher ceiling than this guy, is Andrew Benintendi. I think he's a very mm. advanced hitter, plus speed, plus center fielder, although Benintendi won't play center in Boston because of their outfield. You know, average arm, but I think the difference is Benintendi's got significantly more power than Moniak. I, I see Moniak's the type of guy who can win a batting title, hit 15 home runs, you know, steal 20, 25 bases, and, and play a really nice center field. You know, so I mean, you know, maybe if he's got a little bit more power than I think, he becomes, you know, what Grady Sizemore was in his prime, but I mean, I do love him as a prospect, but I'd, I'd be a little curious as to who would claim he'd have the highest ceiling because I think that one's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I've always I've always thought of him as like the high, and I've said it on here, the high is like good A.J. Pollock. You know, like maybe he's in those high end of teens to low 20 homers and maybe he could walk himself into 30 stolen bases or, or more. And I think when they were saying Grady Sizemore too, they were thinking the negative on the Grady Sizemore of like a couple uh, good years and then, you know, down. Uh, no, I think that, well, I think that's ridiculous too. I do too. Uh, I mean, I don't know how, I mean, how can you, I mean, Grady Sizemore would have been a star for a while if he hadn't gotten hurt. And like Mickey Moniak's going to hit and he's going to play good center field. You know, and this guy will probably move fairly fast for a high school guy too. Like, like I, when we obviously ran him ahead of him like I have no doubt Mickey Moniak is going to hit well enough to be an everyday player in the big leagues. You can make that argument that some of the high school guys behind him won't. Like Clint Frazier. I mean, I don't like Clint, Clint, Clint Frazier will be a big league regular and he's got a lot of power. Clint Frazier still swings and misses a lot, too. You know, Lewis Brinson is right ahead of Mickey Moniak. He's got a higher power ceiling. But, you know, he, he could be inconsistent at the plate, especially with the approach. So, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. The upside is batting champion with 15 to 20 homers a year. To me, the downside might be 280 with 10 homers a year. But he's still going to play a good center field. I agree. On this show a few months ago, we had a nice conversation about uh, Cody Bellinger, Eloy Jimenez, and you said it on here that you would have taken Bellinger over Eloy, which at the time I, th- I thought was great. I loved it because it, it seemed it seemed like a good foot plant because uh, all the talk, especially from fall league time, was Eloy Jimenez, but it held up. You had Bellinger at 13. Eloy came in at 14. I'm going to switch this question. It's not about Eloy. It's about Bellinger. If you had to compare futures of Bellinger to Benintendi, how far apart are they? Obviously, they're different players and whatnot, but how far apart are the futures of these guys from each other? Well, you're talking to a guy who personally voted Cody Bellinger sixth on his personal top 100. Yes. So, like, if, if this was just my list, they would be even closer together than they are on our list. Um, I love Cody Bellinger probably as much as anyone. I mean, if, if we were just talking pure offense, I mean, I'm looking, let's look at the position players ahead. Ahead of him. If we're just talking purely offensively, I think he's going to be a better offensive player than Ozzy Albies. Absolutely. I think he's going to be a better offensive player than Austin Meadows. Yep. I think he's going to be a better offensive player than Victor Robles, J.B. Crawford, Ahmed Rosario, yep. Dansby Swanson. Gets, it gets dicey when we get to Glaber. Well, I, I think he's going to hit for more power. I, I think Cody Bellinger is the best power hitting prospect in baseball right now. So I think he's going to put up better numbers than Glaber Torres. You, know, you can argue about Yohan Mankata. I think people might tell you he's got a higher offensive floor than Mankata. Um, and, you know, Benet- I think Benintendi's got a higher probability if I'm comparing the two. Like, like Benintendi's one of those guys, if Benintendi isn't hitting, you know, 
close to 300 in the big leagues. I mean, he almost did that last year. Yeah. Uh, or he did hit close to 300 in the big leagues last year. I'll be shocked. You know, if Cody Bellinger, you know, I mean, there is, you know, he, he does strike out some of the walks too. If Cody Bellinger was more of a 260 hitter, I, I could see that. But I think Cody Bellinger is going to be a 25, 30, you know, maybe even more 35 home run guy in the big leagues. And, you know, and for a first baseman, he's got, you know, not that this helps you in fantasy. He's got unbelievable defensive value. He's also capable of playing the outfield. I mean, we, we saw him play credible center field. Not that you'd play him there on a regular basis, but he could definitely play every day on the corners. So, like, I definitely, you know, based on where I voted him, don't think there's a huge gap between Bellinger and Benintendi. I, I think the difference is Ben Tenney's got the higher floor. Ben Tenney will hit for a higher average, probably have more defensive value because Bellinger will settle in at first. You know, you're looking for where they qualify fantasy-wise, although Bellinger might be a gold glove first baseman. Yeah. And, and Ben Intendi, I don't want to sell Ben Intendi's power short either. But so I don't think there's necessarily going to be a big gap between those guys. And, and, you know, one thing I would point out too is I'm actually a believer in defense, and I, I would value defense on fantasy players just from the perspective it keeps them in the game. And then you look at a guy like Bellinger who ha- also has versatility. Look at what that did for Chris Bryant. You know, Chris Bryant, not that he was going to lose time or anything like that, but playing outfield playing third base I mean th- those are valuable keys and I love the aggressiveness on Cody Bellinger which leads to I actually want to exclude him from this because my next question was if you had to overdraft two guys in the 20 to 11 range and you had to take them into the top 10 excluding Cody Bellinger because that's obvious here you got Albies Giolito Jimenez Brendan Rogers Kopech Devers Brinson Moniak Martez if you had to take two guys that you would overreach for who would those two be on this list? I think it might be, well, Eloy Jimenez would probably be one of them because I, I think if, if if we're taking Bellinger out of the consideration, you could argue that Eloy Jimenez has about as much power as anybody in the minor leagues. Yep. So he'd be one. You know, it's tough because I like all these guys. Yeah, I really I like, you know, we... I really like Luke. Like, I wouldn't take Albies just because, well, I think Albies has got one of the higher floors on his list. I don't think his ceiling is as high as these other guys, so I probably wouldn't take Albies. I, I probably wouldn't take Lucas Giolito, who's 12, because as much as I like him, as much as I think he gets a bad rap, because, you know, he, he, I think the Nationals jerked him around. He switched teams like eight or nine times last year. They tried to make some delivery adjustments with him. He had a lot going on with all that stuff. Yes, his stuff regressed, his control regressed. I, I still think a year ago, people thought this guy was the best pitching prospect in baseball. The consensus was, but he did regress last year, so I probably wouldn't take him. You know, well, I know the guy I want I, you to I, say. I, I know the guy I want you to say, so I'm excited. Well, I don't. Well, it's tough because you know I like Mickey Moniak. I think Francis Martez is underrated somewhat. Well, it, it would be one of two guys, and I will go. I will take. I will go. I will defer to the order we listed these guys in. I would take Michael Kopech over Raphael Devers. Oh yeah, Raf- Devers is the one I wanted you to take too. That's okay. my guy. I love Devers, but well, I like Kopech so, too. Just to talk about both this guy. I think Devers. I think people. I think you've seen this guy's been overshadowed because he's been in the same farce system with Andrew Benintendi. So agree. And with with the on. Kata, and Michael Kopech was reportedly hitting 105 last year. And, you know, Devers is a guy who was 19 last year, got off to a slow start in high A, and then just killed it in the second half. Made adjustments. He's got big power at all fields, but he's, he's an advanced hitter. He probably isn't going to be more than an average third baseman, but he's, he's got a... He, I think people give him credit for being a better defender than they thought when he signed. So I really like Raphael Devers. But I was going to say, with Kopech, <laughs> you know, again, I, I think... You know, if you're going for floor, maybe you'd go for Devers over Kopech because, you know, hitter-pitcher. But Kopech gets these Noah Syndergaard comparisons because he's probably the hardest-throwing, cons- hard, consistently hardest-throwing starter in the minors. I saw him really good in the fall league. Changeup was a plus. The slider was sitting around 90. 
Fastball sat at 98. Control was a lot better than I'd seen. I want to, I think, run into Kopech three or four times, maybe five, just coincidentally, from the games I was assigned to. And there was one game where he walked six guys. I think he only walked one or two guys the whole rest of the fall. He walked six guys, and he still had enough stuff and, and, and got help because Mitch Garver, the Twins, threw out three guys stealing, but didn't give up a run in three and two-thirds innings. So I, I guess if I was going to overdraft a guy, well, you know it would be Bellinger, but if I can't overdraft yeah. Bellinger, I would probably take Jimenez, and then I would take Kopech. Very barely over Devers. I like it. All right. At the uh, last set here, it's the top 10. Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now, Victor Robles, J.P. Crawford, Alex Reyes, Ahmed Azaria, Rosario, Dansby Swanson, Glaber Torres, Yon Moncada, and Andrew Benintendi. Well, we kind of talked about, we glossed over Austin Meadows. For some reason, I feel like he's a bit underrated. I know he's a 10. You can't call a player that's a 10 underrated. I just feel like he's quietly the player that nobody looks at. I mean, we're talking about, there's actually maybe more excitement in the majority of the 11 to 20 picks, then there is true excitement to Austin Meadows. But I feel like he could be he could be a, a, a big bat in the future for the Pirates. What's your take on Austin Meadows? Yeah, I think maybe he gets slightly underappreciated, maybe is the best way to put it, just because he's been banged up a little bit. Like, he's, he's missed some time, so he's never really had that year where he's gone out and put up huge numbers. You know what it kind of reminds me of is when David Dahl was coming through the minors. Mm, Dahl was banged great, up great a lot, comparison. and he never put up huge numbers and, until, you know, last year, and then he got promoted to the big leagues. And so maybe that's why, you know, and this year is probably going to be a weird year where it doesn't look like they're training Andrew McCutcheon at this point, so Meadows will probably, you know, Meadows could use some AAA time. So I think spending a half season in AAA will, will be good for him. But then he's probably going to be up before the end of the year, so it's probably going to be another one of these years where he doesn't, you know, have a full minor league season. But no, I mean, I think he's one of these guys who who's been more hit for average and hit for power so far. But he's got power. I think we're going to see more of it. Yeah, you know, I think this could be a, a 280, 20 plus homer guy who's capable of playing center field, but probably won't because Pittsburgh has so many center fielders. Um, runs well. I mean, this could be a 2020 guy who hits for a high average. I mean, his worst tool is his arm, which doesn't matter in fantasy baseball. And, and I agree with you. I mean, he, he's a very exciting guy. If I were to compare in these very different positions, Austin Meadows and J.P. Crawford, and we looked at their offensive output, who would you want into the future? J, I mean, J.P. Crawford, That's obviously, about, premier I, position. I would, I would take... Meadows. I mean, Crawford didn't have a great year last year. And and one thing we have to be wary of is you look at how many guys put up big numbers at Reading, and then he got to AAA and he's pretty ordinary. And this doesn't play a large part, but I mean, we were talking about Alex Verdugo earlier, and you were mentioning, you know, how he didn't really like look like he was giving you like 100% effort. JP Crawford, the year before in the fall league, looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there, which guys are tired, so I wouldn't, you know, crush him for that. But I, I, I think. Meadows is at least a good hitter and has more power and is a faster player than J.P. Crawford, so he's going to put up better numbers than J.P. Crawford. Number five on this list is very intriguing to me. I had pinpointed him in actually the very first Prospect One podcast we did here with Jonathan Mayo. I wanted to talk about Ahmed Rosario because he was he's moving up lists, and I think a majority of it, and, and Jonathan agreed for the most part, obviously, that a, a lot of it uh, does pertain to the great defense that he has. But I saw him on your guys' show that he had said, I thought this was interesting, and I, I I just hadn't seen it personally. I've seen Dansby Swanson more than Rosario, but he had said that Rosario, he felt, had more power than a Dansby Swanson. So I'm just curious at your thoughts, you know, when we're looking at this from a, a, um, a fantasy lens, when we're looking at through the fantasy lens, you know, is, is Rosario truly a first-round guy? I mean, is he a 12 to 15 homer guy, or is he someone that might sneak into, you know, maybe hitting three or four in a lineup or two, and uh and nah, running into 20 homers. I, yeah, no, I don't think he's that type of guy. I mean, I think he could be like a 12 to 15 guy. I like him in Rosario a lot. I think he, I'll give him a better glove than Dansby Swanson. I think if one of those guys hits 20 home runs, it's going to be Dansby Swanson, not a Rosario. So I, I think, no, I think Rosario definitely has more power. He had five home runs last year. 
Granted, he was 20 years old, <laughs> and he split time between high class A and double A. Like, I definitely believe Amanda Rosario's got more power than he showed last year. But if I'm talking power potential, I will take Dansby Swanson over Amanda Rosario. Like, I, we gave him the same power grade. We gave him both 45s on our top 100. But I think, yeah, and we try. I mean, it's so hard grading, especially when you do the sure. five-point gradients. I think the 45 is maybe a tad bit conservative on Dansby and maybe a – I wouldn't say optimistic. I think 45 is probably the high end on Rosario and the low end on Swanson. Would you agree that Rosario probably doesn't fit if you if you if you were looking at it in that fantasy lens? He's probably not a for. I would even question if he's a top two round guy. If you you know the top twenty four picks for, for fantasy prospects. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Cause, I mean, he could be a two eighty plus hitter. You know, with double digit home runs, twenty twenty five steals at shortstop. I mean, so maybe. I mean, it, it just depends who's out there. When you look at the guys behind him, like if you look at Kopech and Devers and Brennan Rogers and Eloy and Bellinger, I mean, I'm taking all of those guys over him. And then you start getting yeah. into the, you know, ooh, you're looking at Sinzel and you're looking at Moniak and, and all of a sudden I'm starting to push, I'm starting to push Rosario down, he even might, though he's he still good. He might have as much power as Moniak and he plays shortstop versus outfield. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, yeah, can, can I see where you, you know, he, he's a guy who ranks as high as he does because he's got a solid offensive ceiling and he can win a gold glove at shortstop. The Gold Glove is shortstop, so I can help you in fantasy as much in your fantasy league as it will in the big leagues in, in terms of winning games. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the rest is pretty straightforward. Everyone knows Benintendi, Moncada, one, two. I do want to give you credit. You had said on uh, on my show when you were on earlier that Glaber Torres, you felt you did, you hadn't done your ranks, but you were like, he's going to be a top five guy, and he shows up at number three, and you held there. Is there any other personal like anything that really jumps out that you want to hit as far as any of the guys in this first round? You really, I mean, obviously, I'm guessing you probably spearheaded some of that Torres being. At three overall, you know, and I, <laughs> I think I actually, and I think I ranked him third. I might have had the lowest. I might have been the low man of three of us voting for really? Torres. So yeah, we all, all of us saw him. I mean, you don't want to overreact to the fall league because the pitching is not the strongest in the fall league. So you can't get go crazy about the fact that he hit four or three there and was the youngest batting champion, youngest MVP. But you can't go crazy over the fact that he looked really good in the infield and his hands are so quick and it works so well at the plate that you're convinced this guy's definitely going to hit. No, I mean, I think I guess the way I've you know I've been asked a lot about those three. I mean, I think Benintendi's got a very high ceiling, like I talked about, and he's got the highest floor of those three guys. I think Mankata's got the highest ceiling, and I think it's crazy that people are like, oh, he looks so bad in 19 at-bats in the big leagues mm-hmm. when the guy was 21, making the jump from double-A where he barely play, he played, I think, 45 games in double-A, and he not only is making a double jump at, with very little experience double-A, they ask him to switch positions in the middle of a pennant race. I mean... Come on, the guy was going through a lot, so I, I'm still very bullish on Mankata. And I think both those guys have proven a little bit more than Torres. I don't. I mean, Torres has got a very good offensive ceiling. I like the other two guys' offensive ceilings a little bit more. Well, he'll probably have the most defensive value. This guy's going to stay at shortstop. Well, he is the senior writer for MLB.com and MLB Pipeline. You can find him on Twitter at Jim Callis MLB. He also just put out a great thing. I would suggest people go check out. I loved the article um, that you did with the best tools in the system. That had to be for that to be fun. Like really pinpointing the best tools, right? Yeah, no, I did. It is kind of fun trying to figure out who's got the best slider, who's got the you know who's the fastest run type stuff. I do like that. Yeah, so go check out that. Everyone should be checking out all that stuff. I've always used the MLB.com tools. I think the pipe, pipeline is one of probably my top three favorite things on Twitter to follow because I'm always getting stuff coming at me. And Jim Callis is one of my favorite people in this industry. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk about these top 100 prospects. Uh, I, had, I had fun. I always love talking prospects. Good talking to you. Well, I can't thank Jim enough for 
taking time out to do this full 100 to 1 talk that we split across two episodes. He's one of the he's one of the best in the business, uh, nice as can be as well, and uh, there's just no reason not to love the work that he does. And you know, we have a great conversation. I really really personally enjoy talking with Jim. Hope to catch up with him here in spring training and I'll I'll you know, I'll try to snag him a couple more times in season. Things to leave you with are my Twitter handle at is it the Welsh if you want to throw questions. My email is it the Welsh at gmail.com if you want to throw some questions. We're going to have heavy question latent episodes moving into the season, but we've still got a 10 team dynasty mock we'll be doing. We're going to talk about sleeper prospects. Uh, these are all specific episodes. We're going to do the 2017 impact prospects, and we're going to really just set you into your draft. So if you've got questions, I want to do some heavy mailbags. When we get in season, we're going to be focusing on the big performances and your questions, as well as some guests that I can get on. And maybe we'll do questions with guests. So if you like the podcast that we're doing here, you like Prospect One, please take a moment out and consider giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you listen there. If you don't and you got one, I don't know, fire it up and put it down there. If you listen to us somewhere else that allows it, all the ratings and reviews help. So I appreciate the constant support from the Prospect One listening audience. I love freaking doing this, and I think you guys enjoy the conversations and hopefully the unique take that I'm bringing to the Prospect game and the Fantasy Prospect game. Big week over at EndlessLeague.com for Fantasy Baseball. As uh, if, if you're in your actual baseball baseball, five episodes next week. We'll still have one for the uh, Prospect One podcast. Tune in next Friday for what that's going to be, as well as all the future episodes. Until next time, though, this is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, Prospect One. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.